this morning I got up early, um, like most of you do, and I know you get up, you know, half past four and pray. I understand, I know, I know, I know. So what's happened in my house is I've spoiled myself. I said to my kids, sorry, some of your inheritance is going to get into the house now. And when I die, then hopefully it will put value on the place and you can recover it. I've put an inverter in my house. So this morning I was sitting in my little study and, it was, and the lights went off at six and I was there writing things and praying and I heard it beep and the lights stayed on. I said, yeah, <laughs> hallelujah. And then God said this to me. He said to me, you need a Holy Ghost inverter in you. You need a Holy Ghost inverter in you that's turned to the sun. And when your light gets dim, you just turn your solar panel to the sun. The S-O-N. And your light doesn't have to go dim. You just hear a beep, and it's... And this is what it says in 2 Chronicles 16.9. Thank you very much. Oh, they got the ESV. <laughs> what can I say? For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless toward him. I like this version. For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are turned to him. So your heart is like, uh, uh, what are those things? A solar panel. Turn your heart to him. Turn your heart to God. Keep turning. His eyes are looking for those whose hearts are turned. And he'll strengthen you. Say amen for goodness sake. We're Christians. Okay, it's a good word. Isn't it? It's amazing. So I had this preach already lined up. Ross said to me, can you preach on Sunday? I said, yeah, and I didn't come. And then I had this beautiful thing lined up. And at the camp, um, on the last morning there, there was this couple came forward. I don't know who they were. I, I don't know where they were from. And um, somebody came and said, please, won't you just go and pray for them? Because we know them too well. That doesn't make sense. If I know Jesus well, I'm going to speak to him a lot. Amen? Getting, you know, you're getting to know your wife. You're getting to know your husband. You need to speak to them each other a lot. Okay, speak, communicate. And anyway, so I went up to this couple, and Psalm 91 verse 1 came to me, and I kind of like prophesied over them. And I said, the problem is you've moved out of the shelter. He who, he who abides or dwells in the shelter of the Most High, that's the ESV, God bless it, will rest, rest, in the shadow of the Almighty. And I said this, you've moved out of the shelter. And the sun, the S-U-N, has been a bit too hot for you. And you've started withering a little bit. And you need to find a place where there's shade, where there's shelter. We were in Wellington. The sun was hot. And on, we went on Thursday evening, some of the lead guys... And on Friday morning, for those of you who said you were tired, we had a whole jolly morning. But it was good. And we kept moving where we were sitting to get into the shade because it's too hot. 
And what happens when, as a Christian, you leave the shelter, the space, and the sun starts scorching you? You've got to find shade. You find shadow. You find the shadow of the Almighty. And you can rest there. And you know what it's like? You find shade, and then there's a little breeze. And you think, thank you, Lord. Because it's so hot. And that's what it happens to us spiritually sometimes. So I prophesied over this couple. I don't know if it blessed them. They're both crying, so maybe God did something. Um, I'm not a great prophet. And then this morning I got up to pray and I felt God say, no, you must preach that. So I'm going to preach it. He texted me last night, what are you preaching on? I said, the church, brother, the church. And that was uh, the end of that. So I'm preaching out of Psalm 91, and I'm going to just use those words. And you've got, to, you've got to understand this. When I speak of dwelling or a shelter, I'm going to use physical pictures, but actually it's the spiritual application in your heart of where we should be or how we can be with God. Amen. Air, air is free. It's the one thing in the world that's free. Breathe. Breathe. Say amen. Yes. Hallelujah. You know that stuff? I went to a church once in America. So my anki is clean. It's just folded up because if I put it in flat, then my keys shake around. And this guy kept on standing up like this and he'd say, back up, preach. Back up. Say it again. Say it again. Oh, glory. Back up, preach. Say it again. The whole time. So I heard the sermon twice, because he kept backing up and saying it again. <laughs> so let's just pray. Let's just, I'm excited. I don't know about you. Let's just pray. Lord, thank you so much for the word, your word, the living word that, that just gets into our hearts. And you, by your spirit, Lord Jesus, come and enlighten us and awaken us to the possibilities and the realities that exist in you. Open our hearts this morning, Lord. Open our eyes to see, our spiritual eyes and our ears. Unblock them so we hear you this morning and we leave you blessed and encouraged. And everybody agreed. Now listen, it's half past ten. This has been a long meeting already. What? I've got an hour. There you are. I won't, I won't, I'll be quick. I've... I seldom check my watch, and then I say, what, what time did I start to somebody in the front with a go? I don't know. And they always cut it short, but probably about 15 minutes ago, and it's always five, because they've heard me, they want to cut it short. It's half past now, all right? We'll stop it whenever. So, he who dwells in the shelter, Psalm 91, verse 1, of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. And the dwelling, obviously, speaks of to settle, to remain, to, to keep returning to that place because you know it. It's a place you go to. It's almost like, it, the word says it's like to marry. You get connected to that place. You understand that place. You become familiar with that place or you become comfortable going there. Now, comfortable and familiar are terms in Christianity that we don't sometimes like using because you know, we get familiar with this and we become professionals. We get comfortable and you sit back on your blessed assurance and don't do anything. But comfortable and familiar in a good way. A good way. Amen? A good way. To become comfortable. You don't, you don't feel like a visitor going there. The first time we went on a holiday to the Beacon Island, I've got a timeshare there, 
many, uh, yeah, many years ago, we, we didn't know the protocol. And it's quite lonely. And so you drive in, you don't know what to do, and then a guy comes up, little coat, and he says, I'll take your car. You leave my car alone. <laughs> You'll take my car, I mean. <laughs> but that's their protocol. He's got this little thing, and he I'll take your car, sir. And then off the car goes, and where do my keys go? Don't worry about the keys, sir. The keys will be at the reception. I don't know the protocol. Now I go, I'm a bit of a vinti. Drive up. How's it, Simon? Keys. Bring the case. I know now, because I'm comfortable with the protocol. And sometimes when we go into places with God, we're not comfortable. Because God does things that are a little bit different to the way we expect things to be. Yeah? Yeah? Yeah. And so, we, we, I go, I, now my wife passed away. Now I've got to go to Beacon Island. Oh, it's, it's different now. now. Now I'm on my own. And again, now I don't, it feels weird now. So I go there, and the first time I go, I take my golf clubs, I play lots of golf. I don't have to say to my wife, maybe, do you mind if I go play? I could just play. I tell myself, you can go and play. So I get to the Beacon Island late, and there's a couple from Port Elizabeth who have the same week that I have, and he's an old schoolmate of mine. So every time we go, there he is. Dave and Jane, how's it, guys? So I'm booking in, doing my thing, feeling not nice. Don't feel sorry for me. I'm just making a... And they arrive. Hey, how's it going, Jim? How's it, bro? And the whole thing, they're Christians. Well, where's Viv? Uh, <laughs> she starts crying. I start crying. The receptionist starts crying. Because it's new. This is a new, I know the place, but it's a new experience for me because things have changed in my life. So she's born, I said, Jane, 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 it's okay, no, shame on. And there we are. And then people, oh, you know, everywhere, oh, shame, are you okay? I just buzz off with me alone. You know what I'm saying? And we, we come to God and situations change. We've got to learn to come and dwell. Whatever the circumstance, whatever the situation, we come to dwell. We come and make a place. So if I go away on holiday, my place is in my heart. Oh, I haven't got my red chair. I've got this beautiful red chair. I've told you about it. Oh, sleep there, pray there, watch TV. That's beautiful. I've even woken up at 4 o'clock in the morning there thinking, gee, that was a good sleep. <laughs> and the TV's still on and it's repeat of what I was watching. No, no, I've seen that. I go to bed. And it's, but I don't take the red chair with me. I take the place where God is in my heart. It doesn't matter where I go physically. I've got the space. I can do, he can come and he can dwell within me. There's a confidence that comes when I know what I'm doing. You remember the first time you ever flew? Remember? You know, airplane? Yeah? I don't care if you don't like it. You get used to it. I don't like it. I hate flying. I get sick. I take a tablet. It's horrible. First time I flew, business guy, young man, suit, sat in, flew from Port Elizabeth. We landed in Bloemfontein and I'm feeling, the lady said, use the bag. I use the bag. It's so embarrassing. She said, don't worry. Lots of people. That's fine. Give it to the, uh, uh. then I realized I've got to take a pull. 
But I didn't know what to do the first time I flew. You go, you look, where's the signs? Uh, flight, gate. Where, where are the gates? Now, oh, it's a piece of old rope. Just go to a walker, get there. Because I'm confident. When I come to my God, I must come with a confidence that only develops because I keep coming. If I don't keep coming, I don't get a confidence. But if I keep coming, I get a confidence. You know, I can take guests because I know the story. Come with me. Come with me. I know, I know what to do. I've been here before. You teach me. That's called discipling. That's discipling. That's bringing people with you. Come pray with me. How do you pray? Well, I pray, but maybe it'll teach you something. I want to learn to dwell in that place. Watch the time, Jeffrey, getting excited. There's a place in him for you and for me, a place where we learn to dwell. It says this in Hebrews 4.16. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us. Where does my confidence come from? What did you say, sister? ESV. It's okay. It's okay. But I come with confidence, not arrogance. I remember this is a privilege every time I come. Because I've developed the place. I come with confidence. Oops. Saying, Lord, Lord, you can do this. Lord, please just help Ross. Lord, you know, you know, I'll struggle with him. Just help, help him. No, no, help me. Help me. I come with confidence. Hebrews 10, 19. Brother, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, you come with confidence. Because why? I've been before. I know this. Not an arrogance, but a confidence that I know I'm coming and he is going to meet me. He's waiting for me. He's saying, come. Come. In 1 John 5, 14. I must turn to 1 John because I haven't given you that. Therefore, brother, since we have confidence no, 1 John 5. Did you get it? You haven't got it? That's all right. We can read it out of the uh, NIV glory. <laughs> 1 John 5. It's before Revelation. Because the Revelation is the last book. 1 John 5.14. It says this. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Anything. I looked up the Greek word for anything. It says. This is what it says in 1 John 5. I just noticed that this morning. In verse 2 it says, this is how we know. In verse 13 he says, that you may know. Verse 15, and if we know. Verse 15 again, we know. Verse 18, we know. Verse 19, we know. Verse 20, we know. How do I get to know? coming, making that dwelling. We dwell. If we dwell. Okay. First point gone. Shelter. A place that is close. What's wrong? What happened? Now come on, I'm excited about this man. Whoa! I love being a Christian. Next year I'm going to be 50 years a Christian. And Jesus has kept me for 50 years. Did I do it well? No, he did it well. He kept me. He made me. He kept me. Many times. You know what? I found myself. I've got a friend. Well, he's a friend. Who, he's like sort of a friend. But the friendship is, 
So they lived in Cape Town, Christian guy, very sharp, moved to another town far away, mm, a dodge, <laughs> then moved again. And he posts on, on Facebook. And he started posting things like, you, know, you, you, you can't believe everything the Bible says. I mean, you can't, you know, I mean, some of it is, I mean, hell, hell, does hell exist? Well, the Bible says it does. Does God discipline those he loves? Well, the Bible says he does. Do I like it? No. Is it good for me? Yes. Do you understand? And I started reading his posts, and suddenly negativity started getting into my heart. Yeah, I wonder, huh, wonder about that then. Because I'm not, I'm not dwelling where I should be dwelling, and I'm not, I'm not in the secret place. I'm not in the shelter of the Most High. And this thing's beginning to pollute me. And I thought, hang on, you ugly thing. I'm not taking that. I'm not taking that. I have got to learn to come back. Because the mind is the devil's playground. He loves this. Doesn't worry about your heart. If he's got this, he's got this. The mind is a very good pupil, but a terrible master. You've got to train your mind. Romans 12 is not there. You've got, to, you've, got to, you've got to recondition it. So the shelter, your, your heart, you enjoy being there. You remember as kids, I don't know, maybe you didn't. I did. I had a secret place. My secret place. I had a little tree house. So it's just a platform. I took a stove in there, one of those old cast iron stoves that, you know, the farmers have. I took it up there, put this chimney through the top of the tree, and built fires there, in the tree. <laughs> My dad said, you're going to burn the tree down, boy. But I made fires, because you know why? I could smoke. Because <laughs> there was smoke coming out the chimney. And then I'd come out the tree, and my mom said, have you been smoking? No, no, I made a fire. Doesn't smell like that to me. My secret place. And I could dream there. I could dream of what I wanted to become more. I, I imagined things, and I used to dream my secret place. God wants your secret place. He wants you to dream. You must dream, Christian. You must dream. Dream big, because the God we serve is a big God. He can make things happen. You used to dream that special place where you went to. And when I got the hiding, I'm going to sit in my treehouse. I sulked. I say to myself, you'll never do that again to me. And the next day I was caught again, and I got it again, and then I'd go to my secret place. You understand what I'm saying? The secret place is the place where God wants you to be, where you can dream. Dream of what he wants you to have. What does the Bible say? Every good and perfect gift comes from? Yeah. So you get up high, you go to headquarters. Sit up high, I'm above the ground, my secret place. And my friends would come with Go to the secret place. Let's go to the treehouse, bro. It's just the, just the platform. There's nothing. I visited the farm with my kids. Each one of them in turn wanted to go back to where I grew up. And I said, oh, there's the tree. It's like 10 yards away from the house. I thought it was like a mile. Just to walk to my secret place. It's just, it's just yeah. I climb into the tree. There's a little ladder on the tree. Climb up. Go in. My mom. Jeffrey, where are you? Shh. 
No fire, just quiet. Just quiet. I go to my secret place. God wants you to have a secret place in your heart. Because if you have a secret place only physically, and you go on holiday, now let's be honest, holidays, we forget. Say amen, you all sit there so religious and pious. Of course you do. Because it just drifts a little bit when you're on holiday because I'll, I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it after tomorrow. Such a nice meal. Oh, I don't feel like getting up this morning. And oh, it's, look at the time. We've got to go and visit Auntie, whoever. And we neglect the secret place. Oh, you bunch of, I don't want to say it. Don't say it. God wants us to have a shelter place where we can go meet with him, where we can dream and imagine. Tiana, what's your name? What's your big dream? Be honest. To get a haircut? No. <laughs> I'm, I'm, get, <laughs> I'm, getting, I'm getting one tomorrow, but not you. Do you have a dream? To be on a farm. He's got a dream. He's got a dream. He's, your parents farmed? Yeah? See, so he knows. He's a farmer. I, I wanted to farm. Oh, I wanted to farm. I was a farmer. My dad got sick. And I was a matric boy. My dad was in bed. I said to my mom, I'm not going to school. It's done. I'm farming. She said, you will go to school. Thought, okay, man. I said to my dad, dad, he said, it's not big enough for two of us and I'm not going anywhere. So that put pay to my farming. But I had a dream. So I joined the Department of Agricultural Technical Services. Became an administrative assistant. Boring. First guy I met was Kurs van Amerwe. The famous Kurs van Amerwe. And all he said to me was, do you play rugby? I said, no. He said, okay. And that was the last I spoke to Kurs. But I had a dream. Then I dreamt I can be this cricketer. I can play. I'm good. And then God interrupted my life, and my dream changed. Because my secret place became his secret place. And his desires became my desires. Oh, I had big dreams. I was going to be, I was going to go overseas. In fact, I don't, let me tell you a story. I played cricket once at one of the schools in the Eastern Cape, and the coach at that school was an English guy, a professional coach. His name was Percy Davies. He's dead now, so he can't answer back. He came to me, he said, my boy, I think I was in standard eight, he said, my boy, when you finish school, I can get you into the UK and you can play cricket. I was so excited. I went to my dad. I said, dad, Mr. Davies said, he said, you don't want to go there, boy. Oh, okay, then I don't want to go there. <laughs> I'm grateful my dad said that because if I'd have gone there, I might never have met the Lord. I might never have met the Lord. So I needed to change my secret place. Ephesians 3, 20, 21 says this. To him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus. More than we can ask or imagine. If you've ever had kids, my, my eldest daughter had an imaginary friend. She thought, we thought the kid was daft. I said to her, you better watch this. I mean, she's playing with her friend. She's talking to her friend. It was all in the imagination. She dreamed. 
And the friend's name was Shireen. We knew nobody. And I'll tell you why I remember the name. We knew nobody with the name of Shireen. Who's this? I'm playing with Shireen, Dad. Okay, looked no Shireen to me. But she imagined things. She had this imagination. You know what she is today? She's arty and loves drawing, imagining things, and flowers and paint and all that stuff. She's that girl. I'm not lying to you. Two years later, a girl gets saved in our church. Your name? Shireen. I said, Shireen, we know you. I've heard so much about you. <laughs> My six-year-old, seven-year-old has been telling me about Shireen because she dreamed. She dreamed big. But we must, must only dream if we've applied Psalm 37 verse 4. We must delight ourselves in the Lord. Then, then, big word, then, he'll give you the desires. Amen? Keep going, Jeffrey. You're doing well. You rest. You will rest. You rest. You're blessed, but you're restful. He's blessed. He's resting. He's the man. If I travel from here to Bloemfontein, if I travel from here to Bloemfontein, then from here to Worcester, it's beautiful. And even to the Durans. Ah, it's lovely. This beauty goes through the tunnel. It's winter tunnel. The waterfalls in the mountain, and that's beautiful. And through Worcester, you know, you go through that other little place. I can't remember. Off Rawsonville, they say it's the highest drinking capacity of people in the world in Rawsonville. I've never been there. It's true, because they it's still the dorp system. Bad news, bad news. When you go through Worcester, you go to the Durance, or beautiful scenery. When you climb, and you come out the top of the Durance, and Oberur, there's nothing. Karobosis and mere karobosis. Do you stop? No, you keep going. Because you know, you know, along the road there's going to be a place you can stop and refresh. And the journey walking with Jesus is sometimes like that. We just want it to be the deodorant thing. There's wine and grapes, and oh, it's beautiful, and oh, I love it. Oh, Jesus, and it's raining, and there's snow on the mountain. It's beautiful. And you come out the top, barren. Dry. Boring. Can you say boring? I don't know. I didn't mean you to say it, but I, just the expression. <laughs> we all like sheep have gone astray. <laughs> but we're on the journey. And we can, we can gain our confidence by knowing that I'm on a journey and he is driving. As a kid, when I was a kid, a farm kid, I said to my dad, me and my pal, his name was Greg Stott, he's still alive. Um, Greg and I wanted to go to Port Elizabeth. We were going to hitch, hitch to Port Elizabeth. So I said to my dad, can you drop us on the national road, as we called it? Because he was going into Grahamstown. He said, yeah, I can drop you there. Going to visit my brother. Stand on the national road, Greg and I, little oaks. Car stops. A Cortina GT. Chatun, my Wide rims. Big exhaust. He said, hop in. He's driving gloves. Greg said to me, do you think? I said, it's a lift, bro. My fingerprints are still on the dashboard of that motor car. <laughs> that oak in Afrikaans, they say, het ons bang he, he wanted to make us scared, and he did. And we got out, we were like this, Greg says, where does your brother live? I said, just up. He said, I don't know if I can walk there. He drove like, oh. 
But yeah, yeah. I was going to say a bat out of hell, but I wasn't going to. This is church. I didn't want to say that. But we're on a journey, and sometimes the journey is awkward and difficult. And he was such a vintage, you know, when he stopped, he said, you guys enjoy that? We said, yeah, <laughs> we enjoyed that. It says in Psalm 84, verse 5 to 7, it says this, blessed are those whose strength is in you, who have set their hearts on pilgrimage. Meaning, what Tim and Nicole, where are you? You left. <laughs> <A-> amen. <laughs> we prayed them out. <laughs> They set their hearts. We set our hearts on pilgrimage. I'm not going to be a static old grumpy old git sitting in one place. I'm on a pilgrimage. I'm going somewhere. It's difficult. It's awkward. As they pass through the valley of Bacar, they make it a place of springs. Who makes it a place of springs? They do. It doesn't become a place of springs. I'm walking there. No, I make it a place of springs. Because in my difficulties, I determine this place, I'm going to make a place of springs. Because why? God's put a spring on the inside of me. And it's got a spring. The spring must spring. It's a place, the Valley of Bacar, where life throws us difficulties and pain, where we feel hopeless and helpless, like the pit of despair. God. No, no, I'm not going there. I'm not going there. I make a decision. I'm not going there. I've got 10 minutes. I'm doing all right. Also leaving. Oh, well, sometimes you preach them out too, huh? To abide, to abide. You need to abide, to stay, remain. Stay close, stay close in that place, that rest place. Stay close. John 15, 4 to 5. Remain in me and I will, uh, NIV. You are too kind. I, I feel like I can start again. <laughs> I will remain in. No branch can bear fruit by itself. Have you noticed that? It can't. And you can't. And I can't. But if we remain in the vine and we draw from that root, that life of Jesus by the Spirit, I produce fruit. And you can come eat my fruit. It's not sour and ugly. It's like me. Beautiful. (laughs) I'm saying that humbly. I'm saying that humbly. Like, you know, my humility is the thing I'm most proud of. <laughs> There's a place of rest on this journey, a place where you can find strength, like you get reattached. You know, you, we got grafted in. Have you seen people graft p- things into the vine? It's beautiful. If you watch it, if you haven't watched it, go Google it. You know, gr- grafting. See how they cut it, they put it in, they bind it up, and then it takes, and it becomes part of. That's what Jesus did for us. He's grafted us in, and I'm drawing from him. Do I have difficulties? You don't want to know. You don't want to know. You don't know the difficulties I've been through. You don't know the difficulties I've been through. But he never changes. I can always go to him. Amen? Last point, shadow. When the heat is on, you look for a shadow or you look for shade. Exodus chapter 13, verse 20 to 21. After leaving Succoth, they camped at Etham on the edge of the desert. By day, the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light so they could travel by day or night. Let me explain something to you. God gave them a cloud in the daytime because in the desert it's hot. We discovered that. 
I mean, Wellington's hot. When I left there, you said it was 33. I got to Musenberg, it was 10, 22. I said, Jesus, you are so kind to me. Whoever wants to live in Wellington? No, I mustn't say that. Maybe God put me there. I don't know. It's hot in the desert. So you walk in the shade. Spiritually speaking, I walk in the shade of the one whose name is Jesus. I walk in his shadow. And at night, ask the people who camped on the camp. <laughs> oh, it was cold. It's cooking in the day, and then at night it's like zero. Where's Clive? Clive's not here. How did you sleep, Clive? I asked him. He said, <sighs> oh, he said the condensation in the tent it started dripping on me all night. <laughs> it's horrible. Sharon and um, Charmaine, they loved it. She got home. She said, I was so tired. One night away, I'm so tired. But we, we, if you stay on the edge of the cloud, if you stay, yeah, and you get half sun, half cloud, you're going to get into trouble. If you stay at the edge of the pillar of fire that moved, if you stay, you're not going to get warm. And you know what you will be? A grumbler and a complainer. And nothing's ever right, and nothing ever works. No, that's the picture of the church. Get yourself into the life of the church. Get involved. Get involved. Then the cloud covers me all the time. Why? Because I'm serving. I'm giving myself. I don't get cold because I'm in there. The fire's in me. The fire's here. It's burning. Do I get hot? No, no, no. The shade, the sun, there's a cloud. I'm giving. I'm allowing God to do something in me. Five minutes, Ross. Don't get in. You spoke too long on the notices, brother. Half an hour to preach is nothing. Can you say amen? amen. Are you still with me? What Andrew says, does this make sense? Three people. Good. Those who were on the edges of the shadow or the fire felt the heat more and the cold more. We must get into the light. It can also mean a refuge, a shadow of someone or something that brings. Have you ever sat in the shadow? What was that? Yes, I must go and look. It's nothing. Even though I walk through the shadow of the valley of death, it's just a shadow. Have you ever been running? I did run once. No, I mean more than once, but at Ingrid. Listen, you knew in the congregation, sister. There's got, there's got to be a certain respect coming from the... <laughs> I, I was in a stage of my life where I was running. And it was, it was dark, and you heard this, click, 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 and it's a big dog coming out of the flat. And it, it was, it was um, behind a fence, and the shadow of this dog, and I, and I thought, nah, a shadow's never bitten me. I've never been bitten by a shadow. So I don't have to fear. But you know what it's like you said? What was that? And this is what he's saying in this thing. He said, the shadow, the shadow of the Almighty, it mustn't be fleeting. What was that? You must know when the shadow, the shade of God is yours. Say, yeah, I know this because I practice this because I'm used to coming here. Amen? I'm used to coming to this place. Colossians 2.17, I don't know what that says. I'll find out now. These are, these are a shadow of the things that were to come. And, and Hebrews 8.5. They serve it as sanctuary, the copy and a shadow. So what he's saying is the things that man have made has made to worship is just a shadow. It's not the real thing. It's like carrying a picture of my wife in my wallet. So what did your wife look at there? Give her a kiss. No response. Why? It's just a picture. It's a shadow. It's not the real thing. 
Now we serve the real thing. We've got the real thing. So we abide in the real thing. It becomes a place of reality. You realize that in the shade, the heart is not so intense. Does that bless you? What are you going to do with it? We've got to, you know, you can't just thread it through your ears and your eyeballs now. You've got to take that. Hold it. And you apply it. And you'll see what God will do. Now, if there's someone who actually doesn't know how to do that, you say, gee, I don't know how to do that. I really struggle with that. Then afterwards, come talk to me. If you've never understood what it means to walk with Jesus, it's not difficult. Preachers, we make it so awkward, and it sounds so, these men of God. Rubbish, man. We all have struggles, but we've learned a few things. Especially because I'm so old, I've learned a few things. Ask Sid and ask Haman. They're older than me. And, <laughs> and Alan is the eldest. <laughs> but if we've walked with God for some time, you learn things. You learn. We, do I make mistakes? Of course I do. I went to somebody at the camp. Well, I won't see where he's sitting. And I'd spoken to him about something. Ross said something. Like, oh, I need to go and apologize to that man because I might have offended him by what I said, how I said what I said. So I went to him and he said, no, 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 no. That's fine. I'm free again. When I feel, is that an alarm? I was just going to say, how dare you put the alarm on for my preach? <laughs> you, 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 you've got to keep short accounts. And when you know the place, he speaks to you. Do you know that lady? Yeah. Say sorry. I didn't do anything. Say sorry. You had a bad attitude. Let's stand. The grace of God. Wonderful. Let's just reach out a hand. Come on. We've done well. Thank you for listening. The word of God. I love the word. Thank you, Jesus that you the living word. Thank you that we have the written word. Thank you that it's alive by your spirit. And Lord, we know that we can thread it through our eyeballs when we read it. But if we apply it, it comes life. Oh, life. The life of God in me. You said he dwells in me and he quickens. He quickens this mortal body. He quickens your body, friends. He quickens you. And you give us hope and you bring life and healing and help and all these things we desperately need. So as we go from here, Lord, I pray, Psalm 91 verse 1 will just sit in our hearts that it'll be established. And each time we remember, we'll remember something from this message that just stirs us and helps us. Thank you that you're going to go with us as we leave from this place. Thank you that you said, I'll never, ever, ever leave you and never, ever, ever forsake you. Bless you, Lord, that you're faithful and true to your word. Part us with your blessing, I pray. In Jesus' name. And everybody agreed and said, Amen. Amen. Wonderful.